Fort Worth. ...of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You're listening to the best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. A lot to cover with our friend, Monsignor Charles Pope, a wonderful contributor to the National Catholic Register and many other outlets, and of course, very familiar to us here at EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. And Monsignor, a great job on this on this piece that you penned that's still up on the National Catholic Register website, ncregister.com. What I really appreciated was the background you gave in terms of where the church is at and why the church gives us these teachings and what we can look at from the church regarding this particular situation. So your lead paragraph, I think, is is very important. We have come to a new chapter in the COVID-19 crisis and conflict that has gripped our church, the nation, and the world. The new chapter involves vaccinations and the increasing mandates to receive them or else. The price of refusal ranging from the irritating weekly testing to fines and all the way to job determination and banishment from places of trade and restaurants. We saw a new level of this just uh, this weekend in New York where now you have the new governor of New York saying they're going to bring in members of the medically trained from the National Guard to replace medical personnel who are refusing to get the vaccine in New York City hospitals. And many of those medical personnel are pregnant women who one can understand uh, are very hesitant to take the vaccine. So how are we to, we always are supposed to look at everything through the lens of scripture and the teachings of the church. For, for Catholics right now, what are we supposed to be looking at in terms of what our faith gives us in this kind of a situation, which is ongoing? <laughs> Well, as is often the case, it's a delicate balance. Right. Um, we want to balance um, the common good, uh, wherein it would seem that getting the vaccine is helpful not just to me, but is helpful to everyone around me. So we also, but we also want to balance what our church documents frequently speak of, that vaccines cannot be mandated. Um, for lots of reasons. There could be medical reasons, there could be moral reasons, or conscience reasons. And uh, that, that this would be against our tradition as Catholics. Now, I think in the written documents, the bishops, both the United States bishops, the Vatican, and likewise other bishops' conferences, have been clear enough to uh, point out the the need that uh, we should be try, try to be vaccinated, but it can't be mandated, but maybe some people think the church hasn't been vocal enough about defending conscience, um, you know, and um, religious liberty as well as, you know, for for, for any number of reasons. But um, that's kind of where we are. So what do we do with that if there are people who don't think the church is doing enough? I mean, you mentioned here that, um, you know, should the church be weighing in more on this, or is the church doing enough in your opinion, do you think? In, in her written documents, I think, yes. However, uh, we're all over the map. You know, we have Catholic colleges doing mandates. We have certain bishops, I, I, uh, you know, certain dioceses that are indicating some mandates for their employees. And, uh, uh, even at the Vatican, there, 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 there are some, some mandates, not, not universal mandate for everybody going to Mass. But there's a, there's a lot of that going on. And then you've got other groups like the Colorado bishops. Who are very, very much more vocal about religious liberty in this matter, as well as just the rights of individual conscience. And I, I, I think that um, 
it's kind of emblematic of the church today, isn't it? Sadly, yeah. that we're we're not very united, and we we sort of haven't really. Well, the bishops at least haven't had a chance to really sit down and work this out. But I don't know if they can come to unity these days. I mean, they reflect the wider church. There's a lot of disunity, and um, so I, I I think that um, have we done enough? I think to some degree in our written documents have we done enough though to in the way we're acting and behaving um, or speaking, or perhaps not. So where does this leave the faithful Catholic then? I mean, we're all told mm-hmm. that we have a right to make up our own mind in this. This is a prudential matter, and, and we can figure it out and say, okay, this is for me, either health-wise or faith-wise or both. Mm-hmm. But then, then what do we do? How do we look at everything else that's going on? Because it can be very confusing when there's so much division on these issues, especially something um, that's continuing mm-hmm. to really uh, cause us all kinds of issues, this, this virus. Yeah, I think we, sadly, I mean, and, and, and maybe I, I say sadly, uh, from my own perspective, but I, I do think that if Catholics want to stand on either medical, uh, some Catholics oppose the vaccines for medical reasons. They think it's untested, it's dangerous, you know, like you mentioned, some, some have individual things like pregnancy or, uh, other, other aspects, uh, you know, other pre-existing conditions. So you've got the medical, you've also got the moral. Some are very concerned that the, uh, the, the, these vaccines were developed using fetal stem cells from aborted babies. And although the bishops have answered this, they're not particularly in their own conscience satisfied with the church's approach. That's a whole separate topic that's worth discussing. But, um, so I think this, but the lay of the land is sadly that at least collectively speaking, the bishops have chosen to emphasize Getting the vaccine, uh, encouraging people to get it, um, um, and um, that's that's kind of their message right now. They don't really want to get into lots of conscience. At least most of them don't want to get into collective. I mean, uh, you know, bad attacking of you know violations of conscience at this point on this issue. And that's right or wrong. That's the lay of the land. Sometimes you just got to say, well, here's the reality. I kind of have to do this on my own. I have to stand on my own. I may or may not get a letter from my pastor. The bishop may or may not have allowed priests to write these letters. At the end of the day, I'm going to have to fight this battle pretty much on my own as, as a personal matter. And that's where we are, right, right or wrong, whether you like it or not. We're talking with Monsignor Charles Pope about his recent piece in the National Catholic Register, Conscience, COVID Vaccines, and the Common Good. It's still up there posted, and we'll also put a link to it on our Catholic Connection archives. I do think that um, maybe this could be a Romans 8.28 situation in, in those of us who, mm-hmm. who are looking at this, because I think we really have to take mm-hmm. it upon ourselves, and I'm always stressing this, and I know you do too in your own writings and teaching as a pastor, encouraging people to look things up and to really read what the church has to say. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is, I think, uh, that's why I try to put a little bit of that in my own column. There's a certainly other things that have been written and said over the years as the catechism. And I think if somebody is going to say, look, I have religious objections, I'm a Catholic, okay, I think they can well quote from the Catechism. Uh, I make references to a couple of paragraphs there. Uh, or the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, or uh, the United States Bishops, you know. So th- I think knowing the faith and realizing that we do have here some prudential judgments involved. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people like to, to today immediately want to dogmatize their own position. And I think at this point we just have to accept that there are just different prudential things. People weigh and balance these issues a little differently. 
and come to some kind of mutual respect because our documents are very often nuanced. Um, our positions on these things are more nuanced than maybe most people or many people would like. And um, but it is it, this is sort of the nature of Catholicism. How do you weigh the common good in getting the vaccine, which seems to have some salutary effect against the thing, although not as much as we thought. Right. And then how do you also weigh people's right of conscience? And it's not like you've got a perfect scale, and there's going to be some people who emphasize one thing over the other. And somewhere we have to, I think, still find some mutual respect and say, well, because you don't agree with me doesn't mean you're evil or bad or down on the job. Um, let's listen to each other. And I think that balance is ultimately what we're looking for. And orthodoxy is famous for that, finding the balance. Heresy picks one thing and throws the other thing away. That's what heresy does. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is all about heresy. This is not in the matter of dogma here, but you get the idea. Right. Um, right. So I think, yeah, having recourse to church documents, they were written, most of them, long before the current COVID stuff. This has been our way of handling these things. And, you know, okay, maybe we should make changes. For example, I think we should be more prophetic in insisting that these stem cell lines of, you know, involving aborted fetuses be just ended. Mm-hmm. Now, the world will probably laugh at us and, call, you know, say all kinds of things. But I do think that rather than just saying, well, don't worry, it's just remote cooperation. You can get the vaccine. You know, rather than it sounding kind of like that, maybe we should say, maybe our bishops says, maybe it's time for the pro-life movement as well to target this a lot more and say, this will end. And to be more prophetic, uh, yeah. So I think we have some some decisions to make going forward about what do we what do we do as a church now that we've gone through this yet one more time and this cycle's been intense. Uh, what do we need to do um, about maybe being more articulate about everything from conscience to fetal stem cell, embryonic stem cells from aborted fetuses? What do we need to do to be clearer uh, about what we mean by grave? You know, one can receive these vaccines for a grave reason. You know, uh, it's 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 you know, but unfortunately, Teresa, we we tend to be like everybody else. You know, we're running around dealing with the urgent, not the important. Right. You brought up something I think that a lot of us are experiencing, Monsignor, right before the break and talking about <laughs> this labeling and this attacking and this judgment. Um, we're seeing it on both sides of this vaccine issue and within the church. If you um, you know just put information out there and say, look, this is what the church says. We are free to make up our own minds about this and these health decisions. Then you're not um, anti-vaccine and you need to be anti-vaccine. And it, it, just the same way on the other side of the issue, it's like just trying to be balanced on this and putting it out there is not enough for some either way. And we're attacking each other, regardless of, of where mm-hmm. we stand on the vaccine and what we think. And it's getting uglier within the church. That's what breaks my heart. Yeah, and it, I think it comes back to this tendency to dogmatize our views on things when, when they're not they're not dogma, first of all, but they, they, they do involve some grasp of the facts and having reasoned arguments is one thing, but just, you know, yelling or you're not, you're not on my side enough. You only gave me 90%. I need 110%. And, um, you know, you don't care about the common good. You're just, you know, you're part of the problem or on the other side, you know, you're, you're, you're not anti-vax. You should be because this is, um, you know, you know, this is what we, we, we come to see. And I, I don't know. I think somewhere we're going to have to just learn to respect that on, sometimes decent, honest people just disagree on what weight to give certain things. And I, I want to say, though, I have great respect for the 
conscience, you know, people who, who stood back from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I do think, as a Colorado Bishop say, there is a pernicious tendency in our country today for government mandates and so on. The question right. is, is this the, is this the issue to really try to blow that up? Um, and they have a kind of a slippery slope argument. So I think they have an important voice. I also think, though, that our general the norm in this has, has been, uh, going all the way back to the 50s and beyond, when these vaccines became available, to be generally uh, supportive um, and encouraging of Catholics receiving uh, these things, and not just for their own sake, but for the common good. So there is a certain normality. But on the other hand, I think that, that we there is something unprecedented here. Uh, there had been religious exemptions and other exemptions because of health or what have you that uh, were permitted. Now, these don't seem to be respected any longer. Right. And, and that's, I think, what the problem is. Or else. Exactly. And, and, and risking people's livelihoods. And, you know, I mean, this is, mm-hmm. we've never seen anything like this before. And, you know, there was, a, there was an element of mm-hmm. common sense years ago when they did have mm-hmm. an, uh, these other uh, mandates for, for these other uh, vaccines. But people generally understood that, again, you had certain religious exemptions. And since most of the people and the kids were going to be vaccinated, there wasn't that much of an effort to try and look at what they're doing now. Literally force people and threaten them with their livelihoods if they don't mm-hmm. get this vaccine. Uh, it's it's just something. And, and unfortunately, politics has now moved into this big time yeah. and, and really taking over. Monsignor, thanks so much. At the end of the day, the church is all about balance. And I think you've done a really good job in this article of outlining what the church teaches and how we are to really use our conscience and have a well-formed conscience to read, to pray, and to decide what is right for us and our family, which at the end of the day is what the church um, consistently says Mm -hmm. in writing. Some bishops here or there may have a different approach, but in all, in terms of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, the USCCB, uh, it's all there, and it's all there in Monsignor's article. Monsignor Charles Pope, thank you. Good to hear your voice again, and look forward to having you on again. Check out the article on the register, and we'll put a link to it on our summary as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. 
The EWTN home video highlight for October is They Might Be Saints, Father Michael McGivney. Miracle hunter Michael O'Neill follows the trail of Father Michael McGivney, founder of the Knights of Columbus and America's first parish priest to be beatified. This documentary explores the miraculous cure that led to Father McGivney's beatification. Order your DVD at EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. College football is back this fall. Hailing from sunny southwest Florida, the Ave Maria University Giant Reeves will take on their Sun Division opponent for exciting and hard-hitting football. All games can be live-streamed by going to AveMaria.edu and clicking on the live-stream football button. The Giant homecoming opponent will be the Weber Warriors. Game time at 7 p.m. Tune in for great college football played by an authentic Catholic university. AveMaria.edu you're listening to the best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Another day to live the gospel and to be out there making a difference. And so excited that we can use this book as a great tool to do just that. Love Never Fails, Living the Catholic Faith in Our Daily Lives. And joining us is Excellency Bishop Donald Hying. Okay, Your Excellency, I'm just giving you a heads up. I've highlighted in yellow many things that I thought were so poignant in this book. I've gotten through almost half of it, and well done. Not that you need my compliments, but really, really enjoying this book. Thank you for writing it. Oh, that's very kind, Teresa. Um, I'd be grateful to know which parts you found uh, worthy of being highlighted. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you, you caught me right at the first chapter with self-surrender to the transforming love of God because, I mean, let's, let's be quite frank with you are in this book. You know, Ecclesiastes says, I think it's in Ecclesiastes 3, nothing new under the sun. So you know, it hasn't changed in terms of how do we find true happiness. As St. Augustine says, our hearts don't rest until they mm-hmm. rest in thee. And it has to begin there. It has to begin with submission to God. Right, and realizing that that God loves us and that he has come in pursuit right. of us in the person of Christ. And I think you know, Christ has to be front and center. That's right. But, you know, the book is actually a compilation of my newspaper columns. So it's, it's got an interesting history. I never sought to have it published. A friend of mine read the columns, thought they were good, uh, sent them off to Ignatius Press, told me about it, and I kind of didn't think any more of it. Six months later, I got a letter from Ignatius Press saying your manuscript's been accepted. And I think for a second, what, what, what manuscript? <laughs> so it's really, I didn't sit down and purposely write the book as it is. It's, it's really a compilation of, of columns that I've written, you know, in various papers that I've been part of. Yeah, but it's 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 great though because just because of that, that makes sense now because each of the chapters are, are such great nuggets that you can pick up and and just read and and take in. It's a very I think it's a very doable thing for people who are very busy and and if they want some um, great inspiration because it is so easy to digest in terms of the the time factor. You can sit down, read two or three chapters. I mean, I, I found myself just just flying through it because I just loved what you were saying in in so many areas, which we'll get into in a second. But um, so this was somewhat of a surprise yourself in terms of the book. Yeah, it was. I never thought I'd have a published book. Um, yeah, so it really just came down to somebody else thinking this is a good idea. <laughs> but I guess that's how grace works, right? God uses other people to bring things to the front. Um, Love Never Fails is also my Episcopal motto. Um, you know, it comes at the end of Paul's great hymn to charity in um, 
chapter 13 of Corinthians. And when you're named a bishop, you're immediately asked what your Episcopal motto is. It's usually a scriptural quote. And that that immediately came to me. I didn't even have to think about it. So I think it was truly of the Holy Spirit. Well, in the chapter you're, you're talking about, Set the World on Fire, there's several things I highlighted here. Uh, this is on page um, 36. Evangelization starts with the integrity and holiness of our own lives. The magnetizing power of a person in love with the Lord who perseveringly prays every day, profoundly knows scripture and the catechism, joyfully celebrates the sacraments, and faithfully lives the moral teachings of Christ can be extraordinary. I really think, Your Excellency, this is key. And, and we have a motto at um, Ave Maria Radio and EW Channel where we say, build the, build the church and bless the nation. And how do we do that? We do that by building the church first in the domestic church and being excited about our faith. Mm-hmm. And then that, that you know, exuberance and love about our faith is, is I think, um, very, how do we say, um, contagious, right? Yes, right. Teresa of Avila would say, a soul that is serious about holiness becomes an overflowing fountain. And the overflow of that fountain of grace, of the Holy Spirit, is going to water, nourish, and inspire the lives of countless people around. So I think of St. Benedict or St. Francis of Assisi. Benedict didn't set out to form a monastic movement. Francis didn't set out to start a religious order. They just set out to become holy themselves. They just wanted to be the person God called them to be. And because they made themselves available to grace, you know, they were pliable. They were um, docile to the Holy Spirit. They were able to be used by God to do such powerful, transforming things. And that's true for us. It's, oftentimes we're trying to fix the problem in everybody else when the problem is me. So until I'm serious about holiness and trying to live that, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to be that conduit of evangelization for others, that, that fountain. Well, also, I think, too, it's easier, I think, to focus on the negative of what's going on rather than to say, okay, well, well what can I do with myself mm-hmm. to first make a difference? Right. No, I would not want to live in any other time. I mean, it's easy to be nostalgic and say, yeah, 1950s Catholicism was just this amazing golden moment, but this is the moment we find ourselves in, and what I find with the seeming deconstruction of so much that we've relied upon, um, within that there's an amazing freedom to do new things, and you really can't fail. So at this moment, whatever you try to do in terms of evangelization, catechesis, if it's rooted in the truth and it's fueled by prayer, you really can't fail because it's going to make some contribution somewhere for somebody. And there's, there's tremendous opportunity in that kind of, you know, we're in that kind of confusing time, a very painful time, and yet Holy Spirit is very much at work. I think God's raising up a whole new army of saints. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also a lot of purification that's been going on, especially the last year with, with the many situations we've had to deal with in, in the country and the world. We're chatting with Bishop Donald Hying from the Diocese of Madison. His book, Love Never Fails, Serving Ignatius, Living the Catholic Faith in Our Daily Lives, 23 minutes past the hour. Uh, Your Excellency, I do want to pick up on a, on a couple of things you've mentioned here because you're very honest about where we find ourselves in terms of uh, catechesis and so many fallen away Catholics, the group of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and, and what we find in the research, um, CARA, the uh, Applied Research in the Apostolate, in terms of looking at the numbers and the problems we have and you say despite the fact this is on page 34 
that we are blessed with many wonderful and dedicated catechists and teachers, we must admit that many of our people are poorly catechized. How many Catholics can give cogent answers on the most basic questions about the faith? How many Catholics, for example, even know the most simple things, such as the four evangelists, the seven sacraments, the Ten Commandments, and the four marks of the Church? Most members of our uh, parishes stop learning more about their faith after they are confirmed or graduate from a Catholic high school. Catechism classes in adult formation done well, both in substance and delivery, are essential. You also talk about, uh, and I don't know if we'll have time to get into this totally before the break because it's already 24 minutes past the hour, but I just want to share a couple of other lines here with our, our listeners. A majority of engaged couples, and this is huge, this is so important, I'm so glad you're bringing this up, coming forward for marriage in the church are not attending mass, are cohabitating or sleeping together, are contracepting and know very little about the faith. On top of this disturbing trend is a downward spiral of people who ever want to get married at all. Marriage preparation is an opportune moment to walk with these couples, befriend them, offer them compelling formation on faith, marriage, and sexuality, and draw them into community. But you always also say, which I think is huge, post-marriage follow-up is, an, is as important as a preparation. Are you seeing more, and we can pick this up again if, if we get um, interrupted by the break, but are you seeing more post-marriage preparation, Your Excellency, out there? Somewhat, and it's hard to do because often when a couple gets married, um, they are living in a different municipality from where they got married. You know, maybe they get married at the bride's home church, or they move away. You know, they're, they're often so mobile that it's it's hard to hold them in some sort of relationship. So I readily acknowledge that. But here in Madison, and I'm sorry, it's early in the morning, so I can't think of the name of it. But we just embraced a whole new um, process. It comes out of Louisiana. And the idea is that we have a mentor couple um, work with an engaged couple and stay in a relationship with them after the wedding. Wow. And that's been proven to be amazingly effective. Let's talk about that after the break, Your Excellency, and we'll be right back more with Bishop Donald Hying from Madison, Wisconsin. Beautiful new book, a collection of his articles over the years, Love Never Fails, Living the Catholic Faith in Our Daily Lives, from our friends at Ignatius Press. keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Hi, this is Bob Duane with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910AM. My wife, Norma, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your mortgage situation, we can be reached by calling 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. You know, this is your Catholic radio station, and we'd like to make it even better for you. Your feedback is really important to us. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, and look for the button labeled 60-Second Radio Survey. It only takes a minute to fill out and send to us. 
Again, go to our website, grnonline.com, and look for the button labeled 60-second radio survey. We'd really appreciate it. Are you tired of working from home? If so, you're invited to check out Work Suites, a new sponsor of KATH 910 AM owned by Flip Howard from St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Dallas. Work Suites is designed for professionals who desire their own workspace to get their work done. Work Suites provides amenities such as a receptionist, mail and package handling, meeting rooms, and high-speed internet. To learn more about Work Suites, you can visit worksuites.com or call 888-312-WORK. That's work, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Love never fails. Living the Catholic faith in our daily lives. Bishop Donald Hine joining us. And Bishop, I wanted to now let you continue in terms of the the importance of post marriage prep. I, I just think this is so huge because even if we do have good marriage prep uh, going into you know that relationship and that sacrament, oftentimes we send them off and say, "Okay, God love you. You know, good luck." And then right. uh, we do have in the we do have situations, for example, the very high success rate of retrovi when couples hit a severe mm-hmm. crisis, and there's also marriage encounter, which has been around for a long time for marriage enrichment. But I think that post-marriage involvement is so important after the relationship, after they walk down that aisle. It really is. I mean, the problems in a marriage are not going to arise during the engagement. I mean, if they do, they're going to break the engagement. So problems are going to arise you know, after they're married and after we've kind of sent them off to live their life. So when I was a parish priest, I... In every parish, I tried to found um, groups of couples, usually six couples, so it would be 12 people, and they would meet once a month on Saturday night. So I had four groups. So every Saturday night, I had a different group meet at the rectory. And it wasn't couples in crisis. It wasn't couples, you know, that had problems. It was just trying to make good marriages better. So I just felt it was a way to, to strengthen marriages within the parish. So... You know, that was, what, 24 couples that I was working with on a monthly basis. And I thought, you know, if those 24 couples could be, um, you know, really strengthened and formed in prayer and catechesis, that's going to be 11 within the parish for others. Mm-hmm. So, but we can also talk about post-baptismal formation, right? So, right. you know, when, when a young couple brings a child for baptism, you know, what do we do with them afterwards? You know, until they start catechesis, but and all that requires um, organization, effort, resources that you know many parishes don't necessarily have. But, but that one-on-one mentoring is really uh, an effective tool. I think I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Play Like a Champion program. It comes out of University of Notre Dame, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. You, have you heard of that? It's the insight that um, coaches, athletic directors. CYO directors have the greatest entree to our youth. You know, so if we could form them to be spiritual mentors, that's going to be tremendously helpful. So I just think that idea of spiritual mentorship for people, you know, peer-to-peer or, you know, teacher-to-student or coach-to-athlete is very effective. 
Why do you think there was such a um, a lack of? I mean, because there, at the same time there was a lack of of of, of um, catechesis, so to speak. There was also a great deal of catechesis going on. It was like these two different, you know, roads happening. People traveling down one mm-hmm. road or the other because you had you had EW10 and Catholic Radio and Catholic Television popping up. What now, thirty years ago? Mother Angelica recognized a need for for catechesis. You had you know so many great converts coming into the church. Jeff Caven, Scott Hahn, you know Steve Ray, so mm-hmm. many others who were really uh, you know waking Catholics up and saying look what you have here I'm coming home to Rome myself and on the other hand you had such a uh, so many people leaving and falling away it's like there are two things happening at once yeah that seems paradoxical I think the only explanation is catechesis will only stick if one has some semblance of an experience of Jesus Christ mm. and has some faith and I think that's where you know evangelization um, is key, because oftentimes I think we rush people into catechesis, we rush people into Mass without really preaching the charisma to them, you know, the, the fundamental message of Jesus Christ in terms of salvation. You know, so the, the four essential parts of the charisma is you know, the creation of the world, that God made us just out of sheer graciousness for himself, that you know, sin messed all that up, right? but Jesus Christ, the whole Christ event, is God's response to our predicament of sin and death. And because of the the beautiful gift of salvation that we're offered, we we respond to that through a life of faith. I mean, people need to hear that proclamation first in order to have a context to receive catechesis. Right. So on the one hand, you've got all these people doing these great catechetical things and having a huge impact. On the other hand, you have people that have never really been evangelized or maybe even realize that they're supposed to have a relationship with Christ. There was a recent insight I had. I was talking to a good practicing Catholic, and he acknowledged to me that it never occurred to him that he was supposed to have a living relationship with Jesus. Wow. And, and we can think, well, how can that be? And yet, you know, do we preach about that enough? Do we form people? You know, if you're in the mode of just, you know, I go to Mass, I pray, I do my duty, um, you know, so some of the things we take for granted, you know, it's just so basic that everybody must know this. Um, everybody doesn't know this. Right, right. It is amazing, though, if you think about, as you point out in the book, the gifts that we have, especially the sacramentals in the church, beginning with the Eucharist, the source and summit of the faith. Our, our Archbishop, I'm sure you know him, Archbishop Alan Vigneron, uh, a few years ago uh, gave a great pastoral letter, and we've been building on it since then, Unleash the Gospel. And he talks mm-hmm. about for far too long we've been in a maintenance rather than a mission mode. Right. No, that's exactly right. So, And we're doing an evangelization process here in the Diocese of Madison, Go Make Disciples. And I've emphasized over and over, it's, it's not a program, it's not a project, it's not a three-year process. Mm-hmm. It's just our way of deepening the mission of the Church, you know, which we heard in yesterday's Gospel, go proclaim the Gospel yep. to every creature. Great commission. Yep. Mm-hmm. Make disciples, yep. right? So somehow, um, what's hidden in plain sight, sometimes we overlook. You know, there, there's the mission of the Church, and... Uh, that's what we're called to do. And if it means letting go of some of our institutions and structures, so be it. If we can focus on the mission with just that energy and passion of Christ in the gospel and in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, before we let you go, I just want to give you a chance uh, as we wrap up. And by the way, I highly recommend this beautiful collection of articles uh, in book form from Bishop Donald Hying from Madison, Wisconsin, Love Never Fails by Ignatius Press. They're the publishers, and you can go to our bookstore as well as our bookstore at Ave Maria and, of course, Ignatius's website. Uh, just your final thoughts. I, I know that you have, have spoken up in, in terms of the concerns that we have regarding the reception of the Eucharist. Give us some encouragement because many Catholics who have been faithful, who have been um, out there, you know, um, doing their best to follow the faith of course it's many of our listeners and that's if they're you know doing that they're they're that's why they come to EWTM because they know they'll be affirmed but how can you encourage us right now when we see how so many and so many prominent positions claim to be catholic but do so much to attack the church and yet are still allowed to receive communion how, how do we deal with that do you think your excellency yeah, i think it's profoundly related to everything we've just been talking about Teresa. you know that um, if we're not evangelized, if we're not catechized, then we're going to compartmentalize life. You know, and faith may be part of that life, but it's not going to be the center of it. And I think you see that in the the stance of many politicians who would say, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I, I can't, you know, impose that on others. So I think in this whole um, communion debate, we need to remember the Church here is not trying to be punitive. You know, we're not trying to punish people. If God loves everyone. God loves President Biden. He wants President Biden to be the best president that he could be. Um, but to be that it requires to live and embrace and implement the, the natural moral law that's written on the human heart, you know, to build a civilization of life and love. So any effort the church makes to, you know, awaken that conscience within our leaders is essential. So I would just encourage us to continue to pray and to um, to continue that that effort. Bishop, thank you so much for your time. And uh, again, I'm so appreciative of this book, a collection of your columns, Love Never Fails, Living the Catholic Faith in Our Daily Lives. The Bishop of Madison, Wisconsin, Bishop Donald Hying. Uh, it's a great book. Grab it. I can't wait to finish it. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wesley Castaneda, a second-year pre-theologian for the Diocese of Dallas, discerning my vocation at a Holy Trinity Seminary. I invite you to support this best Gregi Seminarian benefit, which will be live-streamed on our Facebook page on Friday, October 29 at 7 p.m. We hope you will tune in for a night of celebrating this best Gregi's, the hope of the flock. Visit HolyTrinitySeminary.org for more details on how you can support this benefit. St. Francis Village is located on 250 acres on the shore of Lake Benbrook in southwest Fort Worth. You will love to live your retirement here at this secure Catholic community. If you are 62 and independent, call Mike at 817-292-5786. Walk to daily mass and participate in various activities. You can even feed the deer from your patio. Rates include utilities for cottages starting at under $900. Call Mike at 817-292-5786 to get on the wait list and to begin living at St. Francis Village. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. 
Hello, my name is Bob Parra, owner of Parra Car Care. We're proud sponsors of KATH 910AM. Parra Car Care is devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the U.S. area, 817-685-2222. And for the North Richland Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at www.parracarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. At the connection with Teresa Tamio. Good to be with you. It is Catholic Connection on a Thursday morning. You are listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, and it's co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, AveMariaRadio.net and EWTN.com. Edmund Mitchell is on the phone with us, and he, along with a group of his friends, launched a new global digital apostolate, and this is really great all about the catechism, and I'm very proud because this is uh, developed out of my Archdiocese of Detroit involving many of our wonderful teachers. And what's really neat about this is they're doing this through great content in terms of videos and making them available for free in a number of different languages, English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. It's available for free worldwide, and Edmund is on the phone with us, and the website is realtrue.org. Edmund, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, so how did this all come about? Well, um, my friend Edmundo and Emily had this crazy idea to create digital content uh, for the Internet around the faith and the catechism, and they knew that I had a love for the catechism, and so we kind of all got together and just schemed up this idea of, like, what if we made these really beautiful, engaging videos that unlocked the contents of the catechism in a way that people hadn't really seen before. I think most people view the catechism as a dry, dusty textbook or a theological dictionary and don't realize that it's a rich gift to the Church. Um, and it's a beautiful message of what God wants us to know about Him. So how did you go about There's so much in terms of uh, what's available, you know, in terms of the catechism? And, and, and it's, it's very clear, but there's so much material. How did you decide what to do and how much are you tackling in the catechism? Oh, yes. I mean, that was one of the biggest challenges, but also um, one of the unique kind of aspects of the catechism is that it's written um, in what we would call a charismatic style. So the charisma is the primary gospel message. It's about Jesus Christ. So even though there's a lot of content, it always is circling back to the message of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him and salvation. So... Um, we tried to just focus on the big themes and that kind of Jesus-focused nature of the passages, and that's really how we, you know, prayerfully discerned how to break it down into chunks that people could could see. Is how, what does this have to do with Jesus? You know, and if you focus on that, then the catechism uh, becomes a lot easier to to open up. Now I'm looking at some of the videos, and they're really well done, and they're and they're very upbeat, and they move along quickly, which is great. And they're relatively short. They're what between eight and ten minutes each, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe six to eight. Yeah, it's probably the sweet spot we're shooting for. And why did you decide on that length? I mean, I, I believe, and I was actually just discussing with Edmundo and Emily yesterday, and they're both within the Archdiocese of Detroit Communications Office, that that is kind of a good length in terms of the attention span. And, and it gives you, it is a lot of time in terms of air time, in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest. I think uh, I think most content has to be as long as it has to be. You know, Lord of the Rings couldn't, couldn't have been a six-minute film, you know, like that would have just been too right. quick of a, a movie. Uh, so we just tried to make it um, as short, short along as it needed to be for the context. And 
we feel like people are going to be scrolling through social media and come across these, and we really hope people that are curious about the faith come across these videos. And we felt like six minutes is kind of, yeah, like you said, it's a good, you, know, you have to commit a little bit, but if you watch the first 30 seconds and you get hooked, it's not like uh, it takes up most of your day. We're talking with Edmund Mitchell, and they're involved this week in just beginning to promote a beautiful new opportunity to learn more about the catechism, and the site is called realtrue.org, and it's free. How did you manage that one? <laughs> well, we had a very generous partner. Uh, our Sunday visitor heard our pitch for this mission and project, and they were very generous to partner with us to make it free. Um, at one point, we were trying to figure out how we would fund this, and um, we're very, very fortunate and, and lucky and blessed to be working with our Sunday visitor, uh, who is funding the project in order to make it free, in order to bring content like this to Portuguese languages and French and Spanish, and so we're very fortunate for that. How would you like these to be used and by whom, Edmund? How do you see this in terms of outreach and growth? Yeah, so I think, you know, we just felt like, this content needed to exist on the Internet somewhere. And I think we really believe that the primary focus is j just that it's out there as, like, supplemental um, resources, you know, that, that you could prayerfully, you know, look through the different types of videos and the different approaches to unlocking the catechism and kind of prayerfully discern, you know, hey, I have a coworker who's not that into church stuff, but they would watch a video about, you know, what is it with our fascination with maps as humans? and just kind of explore that topic. Um, so I would hope that people would kind of use them as they accompany others uh, in their walk towards Christ and use them as supplemental, something you can kind of shoot over and start a conversation with somebody uh, after watching it. So how do you plan to, to go about this in terms of the future? I mean, are you done with a certain amount of videos? I mean, given the endless amount of topics you could cover in the catechism, do you see this ongoing, or, or where does it stand right now in terms of the amount of videos available? <laughs> Yeah, so our plan was to take, so the Catechism has four kind of parts, um, creed, sacraments, morality, and prayer, and we mm -hmm. broke each part down into 12 units, and each unit has multiple videos. So, um, you know, 12 units, the idea was like one unit a month, um, so four years to walk through the entire Catechism, and uh, we were hoping that we'd have the first pillar, the first part, finished by the 30th anniversary of the Catechism and the 60th anniversary of Vatican II uh, next year. So that's kind of the timeline. It's kind of aggressive, you know. <laughs> we're doing a lot. So we're doing it as quickly as we can and doing as much as we can. Now, who's involved in terms of the great uh, minds that you're tapping into? I notice you have uh, our friend, Father Stephen Polis, who's awesome, um, who's now uh, doing some great, has been doing great work in evangelization. He's now over at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, but still doing great work in evangelization. Who else do you have lined up in terms of tapping into uh, the theology and the teachings of the Church? Oh, man, we're really fortunate. We have a great board of advisors, um, Bishop Kevin Rhodes, Bishop Andrew Cousins, Bishop David Rickon. Then we have... Gloria Purvis, Sherry Waddell, Dr. Hoffman Ospino, uh, Father Augustino Torres, and uh, Dr. Petrock Willie, who I'm a huge fan of. Dr. Petrock from Princeton University, who has this just massive love for the catechism, has done a lot of work to present the catechism. Uh, so it's been amazing to work with other people and really at the end of a video feel like, wow, you know, there's no one person that, that wrote this script. We all kind of all had a hand in it, you know. Now, in terms of the actual video production, where was that done, edited, and, and did you, uh, you know, pull on a pool of talent from around the country, or how did that work? 
Yeah, so um, I run a I run a small uh, agency here in Grapevine, Texas, and so for one of the videos, it's a, it's a live action, so it's like YouTube style live action. So that one's shot in the studio that I I lease out, um, and that was that was really fun to do, and it, it you know has me as the kind of main character there. And then the other two videos are animated by a really talented animator, JP Talty, um, who's doing all the animations for those videos. And they're really beautiful, kind of illustrative style. And, um, yeah, so that, that's how those videos are kind of produced. I would think this would be something great for young people. I mean, like young people in grade school, as early as grade school, they could go. I mean, it, they're very easy to watch, and, and they move along really well. Oh, yeah, I think... That's kind of, I mean, we weren't shooting for a target audience of that young, but, but I definitely noticed my, especially my young kids, I mean, they love watching these. Uh, and, yeah, we tried to skew a little younger, um, maybe millennials with some of the videos. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I think they're really great for that age range. But I, I found that they're pretty universal, too, that uh, other people are really fascinated by, by the topics and the animations and how it's presented. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey, your testimony. How did you get involved in doing these types of productions, and, and where are you from in terms of your faith? Are you a convert? Are you a revert? Are you always a faithful guy? Give us a little background. Yeah, so I was, you know, cradle Catholic. My dad, you know, I, was, I knew so much about the faith intellectually just because my dad taught, you know, Sunday school, and, you know, I would, I would sneak answers to kids in, in the class and stuff. So the faith was really intellectual for me. Then when I got in high school, it became all about apologetics because I had a lot of Protestant friends and I had a Protestant girlfriend. and so It was all about apologetics, and it wasn't until I got to college that the faith started being presented to me in a new way and, like I said, like in this charismatic way about Jesus, and that really changed my life. Like I heard people present things I already thought I knew, but in relation to my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I feel like in college I really met Jesus for the first time personally, and then after that, uh, kind of fell in love with the catechism as I realized that it had this charismatic approach, kind of fell in love with this, um, you know, a lot of times people try to put catechesis and evangelization kind of at odds, like either we're catechizing them or we're evangelizing them, but there really is that um, connection between the two, and I think that's been my kind of journey through this, especially me falling in love with the catechism and showing how it can be represented in a way um, that makes people fall in love with Jesus, because that's really what all doctrine and what the positive faith is about, is, is God revealing himself to man. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, to, to have that personal relationship with Christ in the church and to the depth of the teaching, and then it all comes together, it all goes back to him, but it just it's this continuing flow of beauty and love and life and makes so much sense. And when you are in love with God, you're so willing and so interested in diving into the saints, into you know the Augustans and the Aquinases and the Teresa of Avila's and, and the Catechism, right? And the Popes and the great documents of the church because it reveals Christ even more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it said that oftentimes the faith is presented to Catholics as if it's many pearls on a string. And so you just, you just end up with this bag of all these different doctrines that aren't connected. But when you put Jesus at the center, everything becomes like spokes on a wheel that all mm-hmm. point down to Jesus at the center. And I think that's really, uh, yeah, the way that God wants us to see the faith. Yeah, it's so deep. Well, this is awesome. So what's been the response so far? I know you're just launching it officially, right, this week? Oh, yeah, uh, we launched on Tuesday, um, and it's been awesome. It's been awesome. You know, for over a year, we've been working on this, and I couldn't talk about it to anybody. And it was just <laughs> killing me. It was killing me. I was like, come on. And so 
I finally, uh, we finally were able to talk about it, and it's been so fun to just show everyone and, and see the positive response of people saying all the different ways they want to use it and people they want to share it with. And so uh, it's cool to just be out, you know, like, like um, the new catechetical directory says, like out in the digital continent kind of evangelizing and, and showing up in the Internet where, where people are with the gospel is just such a joy. Yeah, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, from a media perspective, I know that in, in chatting with uh, Edmundo about this, we're emailing back and forth, and you have an embargo, as we say in the news business, where you're not allowed to release anything after, and it drives you crazy, right? Especially like mm-hmm. me. It's like, that's why I went into the news business. I don't like secrets or surprises. I like to be able to tell the news. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, this is so good. I want to post it now. But I had to wait until today oh, or yesterday, yeah. Oh, actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I, had, I had to have a stern talking to with my family because I'd be showing them a lot of things and be like, oh, we're going to send this to Aunt Melissa. And it's like, no, don't send it to anybody. We can't yeah. send it to Aunt Melissa. <laughs> well, she's probably just excited and proud of you. She wants to share it. Is this, do you think, I mean, in the work that you do in production, that sounds like you had a really good time doing this? Oh, yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I think that was kind of, that was kind of the instructions from Edmundo and Emily. They were like, Edmund, we want you to have fun. Like, don't make this boring. Don't, this, isn't, this, this shouldn't be a dry lecture. This should be fun. It should be engaging. And I really think that we accomplished that and we'll continue to accomplish that. And I think that's important, you know, like, there's so many YouTube videos out there of less important topics that are very, very engaging. Like, why shouldn't the most important topics be super engaging? Amen. Um, so, Let's make God go viral big time. What do you think? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. <laughs> all right. So tell us how to find all these terrific videos again online. Well, you can go to realtrue.org, and that's the website that houses all the content and information. You can sign up for our newsletter there and find out more about what's coming up. But also, I'd encourage you, the videos are on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so those are places that you could share with your friends. Uh, and then we're on a lot of social media platforms, Instagram and TikTok. But I would say go to realtrue.org, and that's the safest bet. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much and look forward. Hopefully we can uh, keep in touch and kind of explore some of these topics that you're covering from the Catechism and these wonderful videos. The website, again, is realtrue.org. And see the difference one person can make getting involved in a project like this. Edmund Mitchell joined a group of friends, uh, several of them from my own home archdiocese, the Archdiocese of Detroit, to begin this beautiful digital apostolate. It's realtrue.org. Check it out. Available in a number of different languages, Spanish, English, French, and Portuguese, for starters let's get this going people seriously these are really well done and a lot of fun great tools to evangelize and catechize this program is brought to you in part by charity mobile a proud partner of ave maria radio for over 15 years charity mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly two million dollars to thousands of pro-life charities 4g lte coverage is available nationwide and five percent of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity a video introduction is available at charitymobile.com charity mobile everyday living effortless giving charitymobile.com CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. 
my latest book, Jesus, the Master Psychologist, Listen to Him, talks about how Jesus was 2,000 years ahead of modern enlightened psychology. If he's God, he knows the absolute best way to live, whether psychology agrees or whether it doesn't. Go to AveMariaRadio.net to get your copy. Jesus will tell you the best way to live. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Catholic Connection. And just remember, if you're a new listener or not, if you've been on board with us for a while, you may not know that we are co-produced, actually, by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And you can find us both online, all kinds of great resources, at EWTN.com and... AveMariaRadio.net. Now, I give you those websites quite often because I want to remind you, if you heard something on the show today, yesterday, last week, you can go to those websites and you can go to the archive sections or you can look them up and we have records of them for you. And if you heard, let's say, maybe about a book or a document, you can certainly go to EW10 in the religious catalog to order an item or you can look up any type of encyclical or papal document or information about any of our shows there as well. So these are great resources in addition to great Catholic radio every day. We'll see you next time on Catholic Connection. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, this is Dave Palmer with a reminder to download the Guadalupe Radio Network app on your smartphone. It's very simple to do, and once you have the app on your phone, you can listen to a crystal clear signal of this station, KTH 910 AM, 24 hours a day, anywhere you are. If you have any questions about our app or need help setting it up on your phone, contact me through email, davepalmer at grnonline.com. KTH 910AM welcomes Emerson on Harvest Hill as a new sponsor. It's a senior living community in North Dallas near St. Rita Parish. Amenities include chef-prepared meals each day, transportation, social and educational events and activities, 24-hour security, as well as participation in the sacraments. To learn more about Emerson on Harvest Hill or to arrange a tour and visit, you can contact Karen Ray via email at kray at emersonharvesthill.com or you can visit their website, emersononharvesthill.com. Blessed be God, 
Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio for Your Soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.